Shalom. How about that, huh? I felt the Lord gave me this title. It could have been Elvis, because I'm a great, great Elvis fan. But there was something about this passage that kind of shook me up a little. And uh, in a way, the gospel should shake us up. It's intended to. We need to be shaken out of things. We're part of a community here that speaks about being on a journey. Journey of a lifetime. And I've been uh, excited to become a part of that journey over the past few months. Uh, But we're not done. And I think there are some things that we can learn about the journey because I I kind of see three journeys in our little text from Matthew's Gospel here around the baptism of Jesus. First journey I I see is Jesus' journey from Galilee. Jesus' journey from Galilee. This is a significant journey. We can easily just think, well, okay, came from Galilee. So what? Because Galilee doesn't necessarily mean as much to us as it would have meant to the Jews of his day. You see, Jesus was a northerner. I'm a North East Yorkshire man. I kind of relate to that. In, in England, you know, the North isn't seen as quite as important as the South with London and Birmingham and all those large cities and uh, businesses and all that they represent. And so it's easy to dismiss other parts of the country. And to some extent, this is what happened in Israel, particularly as the history of the country had been one of division and separation and compromise. Um, And so Jesus comes from a place that is deemed to be insignificant. Certainly to the people of Jerusalem, everything happens in Jerusalem. Even Jesus will make reference to that. Prophet cannot die outside of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was the place God chose to put his name. Anything else is just secondary, perhaps insignificant. And in many ways, we may feel our lives can seem insignificant, unnoticed, perhaps even irrelevant, but they're not to God. I love that verse. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Even if we feel at the end, Even if we feel there's nothing we can bring, we are received and delighted in. When Philip, I think it was, who brought Nathanael to Jesus, we read in John's Gospel. It says, we found him. We found the one of whom Moses and the prophets spoke. Jesus of Nazareth. See, Nazareth was another one of those northern towns. Nazareth? anything good come from Nazareth there it is again you see God shakes things up he shakes up our expectations it struck me that Nathaniel even though the prophets had declared he will be called a Nazarene and you know God can declare and we dismiss so easily because in our thinking it doesn't make sense The gospel doesn't make sense. God doesn't make sense. We easily discount. We think we're bigger than. Yet we are so small. And Jesus comes from a place of insignificance, perhaps smallness, to Jordan. The River Jordan. Now the River Jordan represented something else to Israel. You see, Jordan was the boundary line on the eastern side of Israel. It was the river that The people of Israel, when they first entered into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, had to cross. It was a miraculous entry 
Just like they crossed out of Egypt through the Red Sea miraculously and God protected them, God also provided a way through the Jordan in order to bring them into the place of blessing. And so the Jordan was in a way synonymous with baptism because it was a baptism of the nation in preparation for the life of the land, of the blessing that God was bringing to them. And Jesus comes to this place again. God himself comes to the place of cleansing and preparation. This is what is extraordinary. This is a part of Jesus' journey from Galilee. And he comes to John. You see, John was the promised one, the one who was to come before the Messiah because his ministry was a ministry of preparation. Pretty much like us, really. All we do is prepare the way for Jesus to come into the lives of others. But in the last book of the Old Testament, the book of the prophet Malachi, the beginning of the third chapter, God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, the Lord who you are seeking will come to his temple. John was the fulfillment of that prophetic promise of the one who would come to prepare the way. That was his ministry. And Jesus came and aligned himself fully with the purpose and plan of God. He submitted to that. And it was a journey that would ultimately take him to his own suffering and death upon a cross. So Jesus took a journey. We are in good company on this journey. Secondly, we read about John's journey. And perhaps John was the one shook up the most. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Has God in any way shaken you up? If you've not been shaken a little or stirred. You see, John's journey was a journey from more to less. I must decrease, he must increase. And it's it's again, it's another aspect of the journey we're all invited to make. It's one of the least comfortable journeys because we're invited to make this journey from being everything I'm the center of my life. I'm the Lord of my life. I'm the master. I'm in control of my life and my destiny and my choices. I am. What does that sound like? I'm God? Well, yes. We want to be. The ego kicks out against anything that would challenge that reality. Let's be honest. What I believe is right. What I do is right. What I think is right. And it's a journey where we must be broken over that and become nothing. Unless you humble yourself. Unless you lose your life. These are all indications of this journey that John was on. And John didn't get it at first. Verse 14, he tries to stop him. No. Are you kidding me? I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? You see, when we start to catch a glimpse of God's working, we are shaken like this. I can't, I can't believe. You love me? You come to me? You choose me? You accept me? Has this shaken you? And how can the Messiah, how can the promised one, how can what became, he became known as the Holy One, the Sinless One, submit to a, a baptism of repentance from sin? 
That's what John's baptism was about. It was a baptism of cleansing in preparation. Did Jesus need to be cleansed? But Jesus reassures him. He says, no, to fulfill all righteousness. And by that, I don't think necessarily we're talking about Jesus becoming righteous, but rather the the righteous plan of God for the salvation of the world. God's total identification with sin and suffering. We've, We've celebrated Christmas. The heart of the Christmas message is Emmanuel. God with us. And here we have a profound, life-shaking picture of the Holy One with us in our sin and our suffering. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The Holy One took your sin upon Himself. And He prefigures this in a way through His own baptism of that which would be fulfilled in His suffering upon a cross. God truly is Emmanuel. He will meet you in the lowest and darkest and most hidden places you may ever find yourself. When you feel most unworthy, most undeserving, most broken, most disqualified, He is there with you. He is in the darkness. Sometimes more than in the light. This is His love. This is the measure of His grace towards each one of us. This should shake us. And in many ways, Jesus was also validating the ministry of John. One of preparation. One of profound significance. Of those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. And John was beheaded. Did God save him? Was he lost to the cause? No. God is bigger than life and death. He creates both. And so John consents. John yields. John surrenders. John lays aside his own thoughts and ideas. And here we have a revelation again of how God works in the lives of each one of us if we will allow him. He brings revelation. He allows us to see something we never saw before, never understood before, never quite got it, just like John. And presents an opportunity. Will you yield? Will you surrender? Will you change your mind? Repent. That's what it means. And most of us resist because we're addicted to what we think. Because we're Lord. We've got it right. This is why we have to be broken. You see, we can't earn the gift God wants to give. We never deserve it. We're reflecting as a group of men at breakfast about grace. It's it's favour. It's not earned, it's given. It's not worked for, it's received humbly and gratefully. But just as you can't make yourself become a child of God, you can't live a single moment as a child of God on your own. This is where we fall afoul. We receive the gift and then we march off in our own strength trying to make it happen. And when we say things, well, I'm afraid to do that, really we're saying, I don't think I can do it because I'm living my life still. And God reminds us, if I call you, I will equip you. Believe in me. Trust in me. We've sung about we we weren't given a spirit of fear. We were rescued from fear and yet we live in fear because we lose sight of the fact that God's grace 
is a promise to give us everything we need beyond what we need in any and every situation we find ourselves that he has called us to. If we will believe. That's why we need saving today as well as tomorrow. But he invites us to live in this place of dependence. This is the journey. And it's constantly in revelation of God and our response of yielding, submitting, surrendering. We are to yield to anyone, almost anything and everything. Fundamentally to him, to one another, to our spouses, to governing authorities. Steady on. This is what the scriptures say. You see, it's a, it's a spirit of submission. We see that in the Lord. We see it being formed in John. It's why I'm encouraging men and women, actually, but especially I'm trying to get the men to ask the question of one another, what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord revealing to you? Where is the struggle in your life between your self-obsession and your God-obsession? Because that's the battle in every soul. We are self-obsessed. Well, we Yorkshiremen are, for sure. And we need rescuing from it. And it will happen in response to the revelation and the grace of God poured out upon those who humble themselves because God resists the proud. This is the revelation. This is the invitation. This is the journey. Finally, the journey. The Father's journey. You see, God is on a journey. Extraordinary. He's not satisfied to stay in glory. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm all shook up. God shook up my life back in the early 80s. Actually, that song was the year before I was born. 57, I think, Elvis wrote that. And, uh, but my new birth, God had to shake me out of my self-reliant, self-sufficient, selfish ways. And he's continued doing that. But, but we read that heaven was opened. Heaven is not a closed place. The, the community of God is an open community. It's an invitation to come. And it begins with the opening of heaven. Reflected again at the cross and the crucifixion where the work was finished and the, the, t- the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The, the barrier, the separation between God and man, between the ordinary and the holy, forever was opened up because God made that journey. For 400 years or so, from the closing of the Old Testament canon, the book of Malachi, God seemed to have not spoken. And suddenly, the heavens were opened. God was on the move. You cannot hold him down. It's the cry of Isaiah the prophet, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. He's remembering Sinai. He's remembering taking the, the children of Israel out of, Egypt, out of captivity and meeting with Moses and the mountains shook and the people of God were terrified. They said, Moses, you go talk to that dude. I don't want to go. And now the kingdom of God is coming, Jesus said. Repent and believe. There is a gift to be received. Secondly, the Spirit of God descended. This is how God came. Like a dove. A dove represents gentleness, peace, without judgment, 
You see, John was looking for judgment. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's a judgment coming. Repent. But the dove was the symbol of the end of judgment after the flood. You see, God is a God of mercy that triumphs over judgment. He is so merciful. As this shaken us. Now, this wasn't the first experience of the Spirit for Jesus. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit in the womb of his mother Mary. He knew, but yet there was, there was a new anointing. There was a fresh empowering, not just for him, but ultimately for all, each one of us. The Spirit of the age, sorry, the age of the Spirit had come. This was a new era. This was the dawning of the age of the Spirit. This was the end of the old dispensation, the old way of God relating through the law. Now God was going to relate through His presence. That's why we got excited about God's presence is here. His presence breaks the chains, breaks the lies, heals, delivers, sets us free. He's Emmanuel. And God the Father speaks. He affirms His Son. I love these words. I hope you've heard these words. I hope these words have shaken your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More than once. God has graciously given me glimpses of His love that have reduced me to a, a pool of tears and mess that I thought I might never recover from. I'm not like that all the time. You'd be pleased to hear but sometimes we need to be shaken like that. You are my son. You are my daughter. Today, I've become your father. Now, this was the prophetic word of Psalm 2. You see, this is what it was anticipated of the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one. And here we see it confirmed at Jesus' baptism. Now, John, in his journey, is a, like many of us, a journey from, well, I. I I believe something, I see something, but sometimes I'm not sure. In John's Gospel we read, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove. And he, so this is a reflection later, and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. He's a relative. Surely they hung out at Christmas. Oh no, probably not. He'd had a revelation, but he says, I didn't, I didn't know him. There's a way to know him that I didn't know. There's a way to know God that some of you don't know yet that He wants you to know. I thought I knew God. I knew of Him. I didn't know Him. There's a difference. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. John never expected that. Israel never expected that. No one expected that. Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. Sorry, that's a private joke from our carol service. The Messiah is God Himself. Emmanuel. He walked the earth. He met us in our brokenness. He had compassion for the crowds. He healed the sick, raised the dead, delivered those demonized. And He died for you and I. And He's the Son of God. And until you come to know Jesus as the Son of God, you won't know His life. It's 
beyond us. But it's all gift. It's the revelation of Jesus as the divine. And when we receive the gift of the Spirit, because that's the promise, He's the Spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, I'm a child of God. I'm assured, I know, I know, I know. I am a child of God. Not because I've worked it out and figured it out, but the Spirit of adoption has affirmed in me, just as He did in Jesus' as his baptism, so in me and you, that we are God's children. Children of promise. Children of blessing. Children of the future. He's affirmed Jesus as the beloved. My servant whom I uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight. Have you been shaken by a God who says to you, I delight in you. When you awoke this morning, there was excitement in heaven because God was going to get to spend the day with you. That's hard, isn't it? But it's true. It's the most profound truth. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us, Paul says. It's an experienced reality. It's a dynamic of God, not just out there, but in here. God with me, me with Him. But the journey, as for Jesus, as for God, is through one of brokenness and faith. Through one of baptism in water. That's why we're going to baptize Maureen in obedience. Go and make disciples, Jesus says, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out and many were convicted of the heart, they saw the revelation and they were broken over their sin. What must we do? Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift to be received. It's the farthest chief delight in his journey. This is extraordinary. We, we read it in John's Gospel that he and the Son would come and make their home in you. You know, God has... I mean, this is extraordinary. Jesus has gone to prepare a place. He says that in John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. But the place He's preparing is in you. That Our destiny is the earth. It's the recreated of which we are part of. The recreation of all things. This is why to be born again of the Spirit, to receive this gift of life, empowered through the Holy Spirit, God with us, Emmanuel is the beginning of the fulfillment of God who always, always, always wanted to be in the midst and with His people. He always wanted to be Emmanuel. They didn't believe. They didn't receive. They went and did their own thing. They lived their own lives. They were masters of their own destiny. They fought their own battles. And we've not learnt. Well, like Nathaniel, we doubt the Word of God. And we think we know better. And we are in trouble. When I say we, I mean this world. And people are desperate. Brian May, he's a rock guitarist with Queen. Good man. I was reading just the other day, so struggling with depression. Something coming upon him, particularly this time of year. Many do. Because when we look around us, goodness knows what's going on in the Middle East at the moment. There is a stirring that if that is our focus, that is our hope, 
World War Three is trending on Twitter and Google. You see, people have nowhere to go if they don't go to Christ. If they don't go to the revelation of the, the Son of God given to us as the greatest gift ever. And we are broken and lost and despairing and without hope and darkness. But He's the light of the world. And He wants to be the light of your world. Not just in terms of saving you for something future, but now that you would walk in the light as He is in the light. And that we would experience fellowship together and the blood of Jesus would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the invitation of Maureen to come and participate in this miraculous life of God. Instituted through Jesus' coming, through the journey from Galilee, through across the Jordan, ultimately to, onto a hill, and into heaven so He could send the Holy Spirit, so God could come on His journey to you and I. We're all shook up. Uh-huh. Yay, yay, all shook up. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, for this extraordinary gift. And we wouldn't believe it if we didn't see it happening in front of us. We see it in Maureen. We see it in one another. It's the truth of the Gospel lived out in changed lives, changed hearts, hope restored, health, life, joy, dancing, rejoicing. Thank You for the testimony of life's change. Thank You that You've not left us alone. Thank You Father, that you made the journey. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and identifying with us through baptism, with our sin and our brokenness, and saying we're not excluded, but we're welcome to the party. Thank you for this glorious gospel. And, and Lord, we, we pray that we might walk in this light, walk in this life of the Spirit that has been given to us. And as we celebrate today a new sister, we celebrate with great glee and joy, but our hearts yearn for those who have not yet believed, those who haven't come to know of this gift and this reality. Lord, let there be more, not for us, but for you and for them. Hasten the day, Lord. Let this be a day of advance, of gracious favor. Lord, would you not rend the heavens? Shake the heavens. Come down and shake us once more. In Jesus' name. Amen.